0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: You're listening to This Week in Fantasy Baseball.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Fantasy Baseball. I'm Lee Keller, joined by John Ka. On today's show, we will go over the injury notes and roster moves, highlight the best player performances from this past week, and recommend some hitter and pitcher streamers for the upcoming week. John, how are you doing this week? Are you alive in any of your fantasy playoffs?
1: So here's a fun thing. The only fantasy redraft league that I'm alive in is actually the Pitchless Podcast Network League. Let's
2: go. <laughs>
1: we are I we haven't really given much updates on it, but we're actually we actually finished number one in the league this year in, in the regular season.
2: We are awesome.
1: So we're actually on a bye. Uh so to answer your question, this week has not been very fantasy relevant uh for me because I'm out of all my redraft leagues and the one league that we're in the playoffs it's a bye week. So Wow. Yeah. I'm also out of contention in my Brodo League for, you know, top five. So at this point, you know, it's just, it's just waiting for uh, the playoffs to start.
2: Yeah. I mean, first of all, for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about with the Pitcher List Podcast League, it's a league where John and I both drafted a team and we are against other Pitcher List Podcast hosts. So it's really cool, fun league. First time we're in it, obviously, this is our first year on the Pitcherless Podcast Network, and we came in first, so really cool. It looks like we know what we're talking about, John. We actually can help people with fantasy if we do come in first in some of these leagues, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was actually kind of interesting because it's a categories league, uh, where um, you know every category counts as you know a win, loss, or tie. Um, so it's not just straight up you know you win a week or you lose yep. a week. Yep. Over the course of the entire season, actually, we were so we were kind of top three for for most of the season. Funny enough, uh, the second-place team was only a game and a half behind us. Wow. And third-place team was only two games behind us. So a lot of parity uh, in this league. And, um, but, I mean, I personally enjoy like that type of scoring where each category matters and counts as you know a win, loss, or tie. Um, but it's kind of incredible how close it ended up being uh, down to the
2: wire. That's my preferred format. Category league where all the points matter. It's not just a win or a loss for the week. That's my preferred way to play. So when I knew that was what it was, when we did this Pitcherless Podcast League, I was very excited because, like I said, that's my specialty. That's my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Roto, I'm good at and whatnot, but that is my preferred format. So I love those leagues. Unfortunately for my home league, it didn't work out so well. It's actually my worst finish in seven years of my home league. I came in seventh. <laughs> so not great, yeah. but I got some good keepers like O'Neill Cruz in the 19th round, Corbin Carroll in the last round. So Things are going to get a little bit better. We'll just call this a rebuild era for me in my home league. And then the only league that I'm in the playoffs in is the pitcher list grapefruit league where I finished the year in second place in the regular season. Nice. And I had a buy last week and now I'm playing someone who is actually inactive and I'm losing oh, no. pretty badly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, that sucks. They currently have Tyler Stevenson as their catcher, who, if you don't know, is on the IL. They currently have Tony Gonsolin in a starting pitcher spot, who is also on the IL and we'll talk about in a moment. So yeah, I'm losing to someone who's not active and that's the worst feeling in the world. So hopefully yeah. we can pull out this win because I've tried this entire season and it would be pretty criminal not to be in the finals. So I'm really hoping to pull that out. <laughs>
1: That's the playoffs though, you know, it's just, I mean, I, my, in my home league, we do two week playoffs, so it feels a little less like uh swingy, you know, yeah, yeah. just based on how hot your players are for a week. Right. But, um, yeah, that does suck when you're, you know, you're, you're facing an inactive an team and you're just getting wrecked because, you know, because
2: he has Aaron judge. That's why I'm getting wrecked because oh, he has Aaron wow. judge. <laughs> okay. You can't fight history, man. <laughs> no, I know. That's what sucks. It just can't do anything about it. You just basically can just run Aaron Judge against my whole offense, and I'm pretty sure he'd win. Yeah, that's rough. It's very rough. And in TGFBI, I'm actually doing okay. I'm in seventh in my respective league, but my league's actually really good, and I'm 177th overall out of like 450 teams. So nice. not too bad. I'm happy. I want a top 200 finish. I'd love to be top 150, but mm-hmm. still... I'm still learning the 15-team roto format. It's my third year in TGFBI. This will be my best finish yet. I've finished mm-hmm. bad the first year, better the second, and even better the third. So I'd like to say next season I'm going to be a top 100 okay. team.
1: I'm just curious. What are the, what are kind of like the payouts for TGFBI? Like what does that look
2: like? So TGFBI is actually completely free which is the cool thing oh. about it. It's all for brownie points. It's all for industry bragging uh, rights. Yeah, it's a really right, cool format. Okay. I mean, if it was like a $100 buy-in, I don't think I'd mm-hmm. do it. I mean, I yeah. think if it was a $100 buy-in and it goes to charity, because I know TGFBI right. does a lot of charity work where they sell T-shirts and stuff. If mm-hmm. it was $100 for charity, I'd probably do it still. But if it was $100 where I'm trying to win money, I don't think I would, because some of these experts are just levels above yeah. me. You know, I, was gonna say. <laughs> I like to consider myself very knowledgeable and good with fantasy baseball, hence why I host this podcast as well. But I just can't hold a candle to like people like Ariel Cohen and all these other experts. Right. You know, I just can't do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're basically just donating money at that point. Exactly.
2: And I never want to be a donator in any league. So TGFBI no, is cool, not. though, because it's okay. a big industry league. Like I said, 450 writers, podcast hosts, industry experts. It's pretty cool. Mm hmm. But, enough of the playoff discussion. Before we get into the injury notes and roster moves, I'd like to remind all of you that you could follow our podcast on Twitter, at ThisWeekPL, and you could send us your questions and comments to our email at thisweekplpod at gmail.com. If you want to ask about anything fantasy related, be quick. The fantasy playoffs are right around the corner. Some of you are already in them, some of you are already done with them, so make sure you write us an email or send us a tweet if you have any questions. Lastly, make sure that you subscribe to or follow the podcast on whatever streaming platform that you listen to your podcast on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on all of them, so make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review if the platform you're on has a five-star review system, because if you do that, more people will listen to the show, so if you enjoy listening to us, please do that for us. Anyways, moving on to the injury notes and roster moves. There are not a lot this week, which, thank God for that, because there was quite a few In the past few weeks. So we start off with Starling Marte of the Mets. He was officially placed on the 10-day IL on Saturday, September 10th with a partial non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger. He should be eligible to return soon. I think it's Saturday. It backdated to about Wednesday, so he should be back relatively soon. Trevor Story of the Red Sox has missed two straight games due to pain in his left heel. Alejandro Kirk of the Blue Jays has missed two straight games due to left hip tightness. Seiya Suzuki of the Cubs is heading for x-rays on his left hand and wrist after being hit by a pitch during Wednesday's game against the Mets. Luis Arias of the Twins wasn't in the lineup for Thursday's game against the Royals. He's been nursing some hamstring tightness, so consider him day-to-day for the time being. Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers threw a successful bullpen session on Wednesday that Dodgers manager Dave Roberts called encouraging. Hopefully he can return in time for your fantasy playoffs or championships. Reese Hoskins of the Phillies was out of the lineup on Thursday after taking a pitch off of his right hand on Wednesday night. X-Rays came back negative and he's considered day-to-day for the time being. Brandon Lau of the Rays was placed on the 10-day IL on Tuesday, September 13th with a back injury, something that he struggled with for this entire season and he's already been on the IL because of it, so hopefully he can get that back injury worked out by at least next season. Shane Boz of the Rays will not appear in live games again this season. He should be 100% and ready to go by spring training next season. And while the Rockies have not made an official decision, it appears very likely that Chris Bryant will miss the remainder of the season, which is not a surprise to anyone if you've been listening to this podcast. So those are the injury notes and roster moves. John, any comments on any of them? Um, so I have an interesting thing to add
1: to this list, actually. Okay. Um, Tony La Russa has not managed the White Sox uh, past two weeks, I believe. Right and they've been on fire yep. and it does not look like Lewis is going to be coming back for now so it's just kind of an interesting you know not an injury note not a roster move but kind of one of those interesting sort of things that is happening in the baseball world where the White Sox are suddenly really good uh, and I mean Lurusa obviously legendary manager but he has not been on his game this season uh, I just think that's an interesting thing to kind of add to the notes as, you know, as people are aware of, you know, guys that they could maybe pick up, you know, potentially some White Sox hitters were on your, uh, on your waiver wire.
2: Oh, definitely. And first of all, we hope that Larusa is okay and everything is good in the health department. Obviously we send our well wishes to him, but I've been saying this whole season, he has been horrible. At managing the White Sox. The White yeah. Sox have been so bad. I feel like everything he does is wrong. And once again, like you said, he is a legendary manager. Like, let's not get it twisted and not disrespect his name. LaRusse is incredible, but he's done with. He's out. Like mm-hmm. thankfully, Buck Showalter is still the guy he was and can manage how he did because the Mets have been phenomenal. Yeah. But LaRusse is one of those guys that just stay retired. Like, don't come back. No offense. He's just not with the new style of the game. He was like yeah. arguing with who was it, Lance Lynn, I think, about something. I don't know. There was an argument or a dispute against him and somebody else or Tim Anderson and saying he doesn't have his back or something like that. It was mm-hmm. something wild. Sure. I really don't remember what it was. But I don't know, man. I just don't like him managing the White Sox. I think he's ruined the team so far, and it's good to see that they're yeah. heating up while he's been gone.
1: Right, yeah. And, you know, obviously it's kind of a hard issue. So I think it's, you know, A fairly serious reason for Larissa to not be managing the team. So, you know, obviously, you know, the best to him. But as a Twins fan, I loved it. (laughs) So it's it's kind of actually unfortunate that he's no longer managing the team because all of a sudden the White Sox decided to get hot. And then, um, yeah, now they're actually second in the AL Central.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And once again, we want him to be okay. But we would hope that he would stay on the team for John's sake for the Twins.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but I guess with the other, other guys that you mentioned, I mean, it's just kind of the story of the season, right? Trevor Story being injured, Brandon Lau being injured, yeah. Chris Bryant's been injured for a good chunk of the season, Shane Baz. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were expecting him to be decent this year, but they weren't expecting him to, you know, start maybe play the entire season so him not being you know able to play in games this year isn't that weird yeah um but yeah just kind of a lot of the same guys being hurt the entire year and this just happens every fantasy season where you know a lot of these high profile guys you'll pick up and they'll just never see the field
2: yep there's always a handful of guys that just have those reoccurring injuries and you'll see them on the injury notes and roster moves every single week Mm -hmm. well moving on to
1: our weekly performance recaps um again just a reminder as the season's winding definitely check out the batter's box and sp roundup articles um they come out every day every morning um they're just incredible resources to read and just catch up on how players performed each day because you know we only talk about a couple guys throughout the entire week and you get to basically every single day figure out how every pitcher did uh nick basically writes about every single pitcher in the sp roundup articles and the batter's box usually covers you know five to ten guys um Pretty helpful just to know who's getting hot. There's a lot of names in there that aren't household names, so it's good to know just, you know, who's doing well and and who you can pick up and maybe see uh, get on a hot streak for the next couple weeks or so. So starting on the weekend, uh, September 9th through the 11th, uh, we're just going to start with Jake McCarthy of the Diamondbacks. He went 3-for-5 with two runs, a home run, three RBIs, and a stolen base. Jake the Snake took full advantage of visiting Coors Field with a combo meal along with three ribbies as well since Sokka's first he's actually stolen 14 bases which i think is the best in the majors so if you need a speed demon for your championship matchup you should see if he's still available on waivers you'll probably have more luck getting him in an ESPN league though uh, i think he's like less than 50% roster in espn around 70% roster in Yahoo. so um you know we've we've said this this entire year espn guys sometimes are a little bit slower on the on the get up but you know maybe you're lucky and he's on your waiver wire Um, I'd also just keep an eye on McCarthy in your 2023 drafts. He definitely has like 20 home run, 30 steals potential. Um, He's going to be playing for the Diamondbacks. As far as I could tell, there's no reason for them to not play him next year. Um, So just kind of one of those names to kind of keep out, uh, keep an eye out for Elvis Andrews. of the White Sox went two for five with a home run, two runs, three RBIs and a walk on Saturday. Andrews has had a great revenge series against the A's this past weekend. I remember he got, Uh, basically just dropped to waivers by the A's on August 17th. Got picked up by the White Sox. He's been doing really well ever since. Uh, Over the weekend, he went 6 for 20 with two homers, seven RBIs, and a steal. He's currently batting leadoff for the White Sox. Um, And like we mentioned, with Larusa out, expect that to kind of stay there. Expect him to bat leadoff pretty much for the rest of the season. He's going to be available in over half of Yahoo leagues. I think he's a valuable infielder pickup if you need a guy to slot in. Uh, and then Rowdy Telez of the Brewers went 3-for-5 with a double, two homers, two runs, and four RBI on Sunday. Rowdy joined a very big group of hitters on Sunday who hit two homers, including Michael Harris II, Glaber Torres, Justin Turner, Brian Anderson, a bunch of other names as well. Tellez is available in about 40% of Yahoo and ESPN leagues, uh, but for a good reason. He's kind of just struggled this year. He's obviously contributed a lot with homers and RBIs, but he hasn't really offered much else, unless your league also counts selecting percentage. The average and the OBP are pretty poor, even with an above-average walk rate. Still, Tellez did reach the 30-homer mark for the season, um, which is kind of a good thing if you're in a roto league. He was just a little bit swingy this year. He would get a bunch of homers and then just, you know, have a really long dry spell and then go back and get a bunch of homers. Maybe this is a start for another streak. Uh, We'll see.
2: Yeah, Jake McCarthy and Elvis Andrews I actually roster in the Pitcherless Grapefruit League, where I'm in the playoffs. And that's just because they are so, so hot. So make sure you grab these guys when we mention them if they're available in your league. Because at this time, it doesn't matter what the player's name is. If Luis Robert has missed a billion games like he has, drop him for Jake McCarthy. McCarthy is killing it right now. So you want those hot guys. And McCarthy is someone who's been on fire for like a month now. The Diamondbacks have been really on fire for the past month.
1: Right. It's kind of unfortunate that they basically have no shot at getting in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, They've been doing really, really well. It's cool to see Uh, them not suck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Moving on to pitchers, we got Drew Smiley of the Cubs. Went seven innings, zero earned runs, one hit, two walks, and eight strikeouts against the Giants on Friday. Smiley somehow got a golden goal on Friday. He got 23 whiffs and a 38% CSW. The curveball was deadly, got 12 whiffs on its own, while the sinker also contributed 11 whiffs as well. Smiley fully used the Blake Snell blueprint. He had the heater up and the curve low. Seriously, uh, go take a look at the strike zone plot, because it's like you could draw a line. In the strike zone, where basically the curveballs are all below that line and the stickers are all above that line. um He's currently 21% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He gets Miami, Philly, and Cincy to end the year. uh Definitely a guy that you should be picking up. Lance Lynn of the White Sox went six innings with zero on runs, three hits, one walk, five Ks against the A's on Saturday. The Lance Lynn Redemption Tour is continuing. Lance had the nasty stuff. He got 21 whips with 14 coming on his four seamers. That makes six quality starts since August, and the velocity is now sitting a tick higher than it was at the start of the season. So good for Lance Lynn. Um, Obviously, it's been a long road back from injury, but good to see that he is doing really well now. And then finally, Brady Singer of the Royals went seven innings, zero in runs, four hits, one walk, and six strikeouts against the Tigers. Thankfully, we did not curse Brady Singer after talking about him on the pod last week, and he handled his business against the Tigers with a King Cole, earning a 38% CSW. He also only threw the change four times uh, with his sinker and his slider, both thrown 42 times. So it's pretty much the same Brady-Singer we were expecting. Um, But, you know, good for him. He's actually doing really, really well now. And, yeah, I think with Singer specifically, it would be nice if he could develop that third pitch. We're probably not going to see it for the rest of the season. Um, But like we talked about last week, if he can do that over the offseason, expect performances like this more often and not just against bad teams like the tigers
2: yay to us for not cursing brady singer way to go us woo yeah always have to make sure yeah yeah (laughs) and lance lynn it's just great to see him back to form mentioned it two weeks ago it's been great this is exactly what i wanted out of lynn the whole year like i said i have probably more shares of lance lynn across all of my leagues than any other player and this is what I expected. I did not expect him to get injured and then stink for the first month he came back from injury and then be great again. So it's just great to see him be good.
1: Yeah, that was a tough two, three months to deal with.
2: Yeah, it was very unfortunate as a Lance Lynn rosterer. But moving on to Monday, September 12th from the Batters Box article, Marky Mark and the Ranger Bunch by Mark Stubinger. We start off with the title boy himself, Marcus Semyon of the Rangers. He went three for four with a triple, a homer, two runs and three RBI so many people were avoiding Semyon this season in drafts, and I wasn't one of them. I wasn't expecting the 45-homer explosion that he put up last season but I was expecting something like this. He currently has 22 homers, 24 stolen bases, 86 runs, and 72 RBI. He has a respectable 245-302-421 slash line after having a 199-266-274 slash line after May. So that is a drastic difference and a big increase from that bad point in May. He definitely struggled to start this season, and if he didn't, he could possibly have a 30-30 season right now. So drafting him in the third round of TGFBI doesn't look so stupid now on my part, which I'm happy about, but it's good to see Semyon get out of the slump he was in in the beginning of the season. And I was never, like I said, expecting a 45 homer season. No one should have expected over 40 homers from Semyon. 30 was in the cards. That's what I thought the ceiling was. I thought maybe 30 homers, 25 steals. And right now we're at 22 homers, 24 steals, and he stung for two months. So awesome to see Marcus Semyon back on the right track and then Jeremy Pena of the Astros. He went 3-for-5 with a double, two runs, an RBI and a stolen base. Pena got out of the gates hot this season, but in the last month, he struggled quite a bit. However, he's picked it up as of late, and this was definitely a nice game to showcase what he's capable of. The 24-year-old rookie has a slash line of 2.49. 285, 405, with 17 home runs and 10 stolen bases. I can see him getting better and better each year. He's still young, and eventually I think he can become a 25-30 homer, 15-stolen base sort of player. He just needs to improve his discipline at the plate a little bit. Early on, it looked like Pena was the favorite for AL Rookie of the Year, but obviously now with J-Rod and Rutschman playing incredibly, he's fallen out of that race. But still, Pena is extremely exciting, especially for fantasy.
1: Yeah, Simeon's kind of interesting because I was looking at his splits and basically after May, his OPS is eight twenty seven, yep. which it's like it's decent. So it's um like you'll take basically Simeon from June onward. It just sucks that he was so bad in May and April. Um, so yeah, there's that. But Pena Pena has actually been a, kind of a, a nice little story. Um, the injury has sucked. He basically wasn't able to play for. I think a good chunk of the summer. um, But he definitely has potential there. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes in drafts next year. Is he, you know, like kind of the guys that you pick up in, you know, a 12-teamer? Or is he, um, you know, a guy that you have as a middle infielder on one of those bigger teams? Um, it'll be interesting to see.
2: I definitely think he's one of those mid-round 12-team guys that you want to grab. Like, if you miss out on the big crop of shortstops at the beginning jeremy pena in the 15th round is something you're looking at you know that's kind of where i see pena and then i think he's going to be very usable in all middle infield leagues like 15 teamers 14 teamers etc
1: right yeah and we've talked about how shortstop is so deep now yep um and it's you know it's cool that this young guy is basically kind of keeping up with the the crop of of shortstops
2: yeah and i really think that he's going to get better and better like i said i think that he can be a 25 homer 15 stolen base guy and that's very usable. That's a top 15 shortstop in baseball easily. So, mm. definitely worth taking a flyer on Pena next year in your drafts. Moving on to pitchers from Monday. From the SP Roundup article Taking a Trip to Trevorland by Nick Pollock, we start off with Trevor Rogers of the Marlins. He went 6.1 innings pitched, two earned runs, four hits, two walks, and nine strikeouts against the Rangers. Welcome back, Mr. Rogers. Two weeks ago, we mentioned how Lance Lynn has returned and that Rogers was on his way, and I can officially say he's back. His changeup returned a 41% CSW, and his fastball sat at 95 miles per hour, a beautiful combo. He had 18 whiffs and a 37% CSW total for the night, and made the Rangers lineup look silly. Rogers is someone that had a ton of hype coming into the season after his brilliant rookie campaign, but really underperformed this season. What he's doing now is what people were waiting for. I'm happy to see that Rodgers has found himself again for fantasy purposes, but not for my Mets purposes. He's got the Nationals twice in a row, so if he's out there on your wire, especially for playoff season, grab him now because two good starts are on the horizon. And then Framber Valdez of the Astros. He went nine innings pitched, no earned runs, six hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts against the Tigers. What a season for Framber! After this start, Valdez now has 24 consecutive quality starts. What a legend. On Monday, he got his first career-complete game shutout against the Tigers. And as we've said multiple times this season, the Tigers are horrible. So it didn't take too much. But Valdez has a 2.50 ERA, a 1.11 whip, 15 wins, 25 quality starts, and 169 strikeouts in 179.2 innings pitched this season. He most likely will receive a few Cy Young votes, although I still think Dylan Cease or maybe even Framber's teammate Justin Verlander should win. My votes for Cease. What about you, John? Who do you think should win AL Cy Young?
1: Ah, uh, it's. I mean, it's probably Cease. Um, I think the injury for Verlander, even though it's only been like two weeks, I think like it allowed Cease to to get ahead.
2: Yep, I agree. Um,
1: yeah, I would have looked to see Shane Mack win it, but yep. um. The ERA, I think, is just a little too high for it to be a good choice. So, yeah, Cease or Verlander, um, I'd probably lean Cease, but I there's definitely a, a, a case for Verlander, for sure.
2: I think that the five people who will get votes are Cease, Verlander, Framber, Shane McClanahan, and Shoei Otani.
1: Yeah.
2: Garrett Cole, <laughs> too. Garrett Cole, too. I can't forget him. Garrett
1: Cole probably – yeah, the problem with Garrett Cole was that he just had some real stinkers of some yep. games. Um, I think Verlander has been probably the most consistent yep. throughout the season. And then Cease has probably been the most flashy.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got over 200 strikeouts in 167 innings. So I got to yeah, give it to that guy who's been dominant.
1: That. Hard to argue against that.
2: Yep, completely agree. Also, he has
1: the best pitch in baseball. So
2: Yep, definitely so, yeah. can argue that.
1: Right, and it's good to see that Trevor Rogers is back uh obviously a lot of hype at the beginning of the season and oh my goodness did he not deliver so yeah yeah good good to see that yeah he is back moving on to tuesday's game starting with the cherry garcia on top article from jim chatterton uh we're starting with auto garcia the rangers uh we talked about him at length last week actually he went two for two with a double a home run two runs three rbi two walks and a stolen base I really, really wish I could believe that Garcia will continue this trend in 2023. The man is on the verge of a 25-25 season. And while it might be a little ambitious, I think he's actually got some time to get a 30-30 season as well. Uh, it's going to be hard for me to not want to draft Garcia next year. Uh, I already kind of wanted to draft him this year, but he collapsed so impressively in 2021 that he was just kind of on my do not touch list. Um, he's clearly showing to be himself to be at least a top 50 hitter, if not a top 30 hitter when it's all said and done this season. And then Aaron Judge of the Yankees, three for four with two homers, three runs, two RBIs, and a walk. Uh, As the famous Little Leaguer Big Al said, uh, Hi, my name is Aaron, and I like to hit dingers. (laughs) Uh, Aaron Judge is just on a tear. I believe he's five away now from setting the AL record, which is crazy. But the other crazy thing is that he's also hitting for average. He's only trailing Louisa Rice by 10 points, which means he is in the running for the AL Triple Crown. Uh, which is kind of incredible for a guy that is basically just hitting homers all the time. But yeah, he actually uh, hits for average as well. He's first in runs, homers, RBIs, OBP, and slugging in the majors. And the fun story is he might not even be the AL MVP.
2: Yeah, man. I don't know where I stand with that because it's so hard to not give it to Otani. I hate going on Twitter and Facebook, by the way, for everyone like, (laughs) what is Aaron Judge's ERA? (laughs) You know, like, all those guys that are, like, so defending Otani in the regards Mm -hmm. that Aaron Judge doesn't pitch. Yeah. But, man, how do you not give it to Judge, and how do you not give it to Otani? Like, they should be co-MVPs. I mean, I don't know. Like, Otani, like I said, should just have his own award. Right. Because he's clearly the most talented baseball player ever in the history of the game.
1: Yes. Yeah. There's actually some fun kind of, like, Twitter conversations I've been following, like, between Pitcherless writers on, like, who should win the MVP, right? Should it be Judge? Should it be Otani? And it's just, like, this really fun kind of back-and-forth conversation where, at the end of the day, I don't really know. Like, the fact that he's 10 points away from a triple crown is kind of crazy for me to think for Judge. I just think, like, it's hard to argue against, like, the offensive force that Judge is. Um, But it's also hard to argue against how valuable, right, most valuable player, how valuable Otani is to his team. Like, imagine how bad the Angels would be if Otani wasn't on the Angels.
2: Well, that's what I was trying to think about, too, is, you know, the MVP award is for most valuable player, but do you regard that as most valuable player in the league? Like he has the most value because no one's more valuable than Otani. But if you're looking yeah. at it as who's the most valuable player to their team, if Aaron judge, wasn't on the Yankees, they'd probably win 60 games this season.
1: That's true. Actually.
2: And Otani is still yeah. on the angels and they have a horrible record. They're not even close to the playoffs with Otani and trout, both doing incredible things. The meme is always, they set a new record every day and lose by one. Like right. it yeah. doesn't make any sense. So Like I said, Otani is the most talented player that we've ever seen in the sport of baseball. And Aaron Judge Mm -hmm. is having a season that if he wasn't on the Yankees, they wouldn't be in the position they're in for the playoffs. I don't know, man. I don't know who to give it to. I think they need an award specifically for Otani. He wins it every year until somebody (laughs) does what he does better than him. And then Aaron Judge wins the MVP this year. I mean, I don't know. I really have no idea how to chalk this debate up, you know? Right.
1: I mean, it's kind of like the argument of like Mike Trout should have won the MVP every single year, but... He hasn't. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to, you know, at, at some point it's like, we get it. Otani is an amazing hitter and a pitcher. You just can't give him the MVP every single year.
2: Right. So. That's why I think he has to have his own award. Like there's got to be yeah. the most standout player of the year. And until right. someone does something even more crazy than what Otani does on the mound and at the plate, then he wins that award. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you just can't take yeah. that away from him.
1: Right. Yep.
2: As long as he's healthy, well, of course, because if he's look not healthy, to... someone else could take it. <laughs>
1: Right. We look forward to MLB attempting to fix this issue.
2: So. Well, they've already fixed a big issue in giving a utility player a gold glove in both leagues. That's true. So yeah. they're they're working towards revolutionizing the game to where it yeah. is now, you know?
1: Right. It just feels weird like the only person who can get that award would be Otani.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. But hey, it just takes one injury, which I don't want Otani to ever get injured. Please do this forever and never be hurt and be the best player yeah. of all time. But... Yeah. If he ever got injured, then like Aaron Judge would win that award alongside the MVP to his team. You know, like yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's got to be some sort of better dictation of what MVP means because no one's more important to their team than Aaron Judge.
1: Right. It's. I mean, it's kind of like the joke that like pitchers will never win the MVP award. Right. You know, uh, because there's already the Cy Young. Yep. Um, and it. I. I kind of learned today actually. There's the Hank Aaron Award, which is awarded to the best hitter. Right, okay. in the AL and the NL. Which judge should win easily. Which judge should, yeah, he should definitely win that by far. Yep. So I'm wondering if it, like, it, you know, we kind of have this game with the Cy Young, we've got the MVP award, we've got the, the Hank Aaron award. I, you know, at some point, you just have to kind of recognize that all three of those awards are on par with each other. And Might, yeah. it's okay to, you know, win Cy Young and not be MVP, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting conversation.
2: A lot of people look at MVP as the most important award, as well as Cy Young. Like people don't think of the Hank Aaron Award and be like, "Yeah, Judge is the oh, Hank Aaron winner," you know? Like,
1: right? Yep. Yeah, even I mean, like Judge is going to win the Silver Slugger Award too. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, and um, is there an official? What's the What's the award for the best Silver Slugger? Oh, is there? Is there is one it Platinum Slugger? I don't know, because there's the Platinum Glove, right? Right. For the best Gold Glover. I wonder if there is like a... It'd be interesting to see if there's... If, unless that's the Hank Aaron Award, which... I, I think that is
2: the good. Hank Aaron Award. Yeah, so... That's yeah. wild,
1: yeah. I, it would be nice if it just had the same type of, you know, uh, prominence as the other. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. That's it's baseball.
2: Yeah, I mean, pretty crazy. And then like you said, we talked about Adolis Garcia very, very much in the last podcast. So, I'm not going to talk about him too much, but I love Adolis Garcia. I love his value this year. Thought it was great. I don't like his value next year already, but like I said, one round after Randy Arena, that's where I want to draft Garcia, and I'll gladly take him there. Sure.
1: We'll, we'll see if that actually happens. Yep. Moving on to the Joe Ryan Hart article from Nick Pollock. Uh, Joe Ryan of the Twins, seven innings, zero and in runs, zero hits, two walks, nine strikeouts against the Royals. After being on the receiving end of a bunch of no-hit opportunities this year, Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander, uh, Clayton Kershaw, uh, the Twins actually flipped the script on Tuesday. Uh, Joe Ryan switched up his pitch mix a bit. He got more curveballs, uh, and that led to seven no-hit innings. He still struggled to get whips with the secondary, so it's actually somewhat impressive. He got nine strikeouts to go along with his start. Giovanni uh, Moran, unfortunately, gave up a hit in the ninth to lose the no-hitter, but we'll take it. Um, I still want to see if Ryan's able to develop any reasonably good secondaries to go along with the fastball. It clearly is a really good pitch, but it's going to need a supporting cast for him to be any more valuable next year in fantasy. And then, of course, Jacob DeGrom of the Mets. Six innings, three and runs, four hits, zero walks, and ten strikeouts against the Cubs. Leave it to DeGrom to have a very poor quality start and still somehow strike out ten hitters. Even when he earns a loss, it's impressive. 24 whiffs, 42% CSW. That's just nuts. DeGrom is first in whip, K percentage, lock percentage, CSW, average fastball velocity, swinging strike rate, hard contact rate, (laughs) XERA, XWOBA, Oh my goodness. He's just, I don't, he's so incredible. There's really no words.
2: Yeah, he's awesome, man. And I'm very proud of us because ever since he came back from injury, we have mentioned him every single podcast. So that's a trend that's going to happen the whole rest of the year. Everybody, even if he gives up like 10 earned runs, we're going to highlight it. If he gives up none, we're going to highlight it. So DeGrom weekly here on the This Week in Fantasy Baseball podcast. But DeGrom is just an anomaly, man. He is so good. Easily best pitcher in baseball. I say it every single time. Just watching him is incredible because the way he operates is like an alien. It's insane. And Joe Ryan, speaking of aliens, he pitched out of this world as well. That's just an amazing start. You know, seven no-hit innings. Love to see it. The Royals are an easier offense. But Joe Ryan, hey, man, if he can just develop some more pitches and get that supporting cast, like you mentioned, Joe Ryan's going to be a really, really good pitcher.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um I I'd, I'd love to see him get better. Obviously, this is actually his rookie season technically, so yeah, yep. um the you know, kind of can only go off from here. So really really hoping it works out because that fastball is really really good, but if he doesn't have anything to back it up, it's just he's just going to get wrecked.
2: I completely agree, and I hope to see Joe Ryan take that next step forward, add some more pitches to his arsenal next season but moving on to Wednesday September 14th from the batter's box article Real Muto housewives of Philadelphia love that from Dave Swan starting with JT Real Muto of the Phillies he went two for four with two home runs two runs and four RBI with a walk as well Real Muto is quietly having a historic season for a catcher he's currently at 18 home runs and 17 stolen bases he's also got a slash line of 275 348 475 accompanied by 67 runs and 77 RBI. The last catcher to have a 2020 season was Yvonne Rodriguez back in 1999. That's pretty nuts. Overall, Real Muto has been the number one catcher in standard 5x5 Yahoo leagues, and I feel like it's kind of gone under the radar. As much as we wanted Salvi in the third or fourth round, we should have known that Real Muto much later was the better choice. He was going in like the sixth to eighth round range. And he's always been the guy who's the number one catcher in all of fantasy. And we just kind of let the Salvi historic season shade our view because Rio Muto is really good and he's having such a good season. So hopefully he can keep that up. And I can just only imagine that he probably goes in the fourth round next year in drafts. And I guarantee you it just goes south because that's what always happens when you draft a catcher very high up. And then we have Glaber Torres of the Yankees. He went three for five with a run, an RBI and a stolen base. Going into the season, I was high on and had a couple of shares of Torres. I was hoping for this sort of season from him. Unfortunately, I dropped him mostly everywhere early on with the emergence of other great second base and shortstops, but it's nice to see Glaber have a bit of a bounce back season. Torres has 21 homers, 9 stolen bases, and a slash line of 244, 294, 429. I'd personally like to see the plate discipline and that OBP get a little bit better, especially from a player of his pedigree. He was also the hero on Wednesday, though, hitting an RBI single in the fifth, followed by reaching on a fielding error in the ninth to make Tim LeCastro score. So it's nice to see Glaber be a little bit more like the Glaber we saw for the prospect pedigree that he had. But he still needs to work out a few kinks. Hopefully they come soon. And also shout out to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, who hit a home run on Wednesday. And that home run was his 100th career home run. So shout out to you, Mr. Vladdy Jr.
1: Yeah, I'll fully admit I thought Riamuto was kind of over the fence. This, like, I was convinced he was not a good player anymore. Yeah, right. So, um, I mean, good player in terms of uh, in terms of actual batters. He still, you know, I thought he was going to be a, have an okay season for a catcher. But you know, for the longest time, right, the the conversation was like, oh, you want JT, you want Yasmani, you know, and then Will Smith entered that conversation, yep. and then Salvi entered that conversation, and then it really felt like this year it was kind of like you either get Will Smith or you get Salvi or catcher sucks. Um, And so it's good to see that real Muto is kind of flipping that script. Um, I was kind of interested to see though, because you know, 2020 season for a catcher is kind of sick. Um, Dalton Varsho, who has catcher eligibility in a lot of leagues, he's currently at 25 homers, which is awesome, uh, but only at 10 steals. So he is not going to reach the last catcher to have a 2020 season. Uh, or really, just the last player to have catcher eligibility to reach a twenty twenty season. So
2: I think Varsho actually will not have catcher eligibility next season. Has he caught it all this year?
1: I don't think so. I think he's basically just played outfield.
2: yeah I think year. so too. So that's kind of upsetting because Varsho is an extremely great catcher option on Yahoo, But without that catcher eligibility, I don't really know if he's rostered in shallower leagues, like probably because twenty five ten is really good for an outfielder. So, Mm -hmm. you probably do still want to roster him, but that catcher eligibility, mm, that means everything.
1: Yeah, he, oh, you know what? He's caught, okay, he's actually started at catcher in 31 games this year. Has he? I take that back. Yes.
2: Oh, well then, never mind. He's extremely valuable because on Yahoo, you only need five starts and ten appearances to have eligibility on Yahoo, so.
1: Yeah, he's, he's caught in 31 games and started 18 games. Yeah, so that he's is definitely going to have catcher eligibility.
2: Yep, like I said, you need 10 appearances, which means at any yep. point in the game, you appeared at the position or five starts at a position to get eligibility on Yahoo. So the fact that Varsho will hold catcher eligibility into next season on Yahoo, that's pretty big. So I would take him not too far after Real Muto goes off the board.
1: Yeah, I, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. It's good that we figured that out.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy about that because now that I know that, I'm a little bit more confident in Varsha moving forward, and I can work on my rankings a little bit. There you go. Now, moving on to pitchers from Wednesday, from the SP Roundup article, Pete Dragon from Nick Pollock. I'm going to avoid talking about the disaster, which was David Peterson and the Mets' entire series against the Cubs, so let's talk about someone from John's team, Sonny Gray of the Twins. He went 7 innings pitched, no earned runs, 3 hits, 1 walk, and 8 strikeouts against the Royals. Gray has been pitching really well as of late, and this particular performance was spectacular. He had a 50% CSW on the curveball, and a 26% called strike rate for the night. I personally think that Sonny Gray has slept on in fantasy. He's only pitched 117.2 innings this season, but he has a 2.91 ERA, a 1.10 whip, 8 wins, 9 quality starts, and 116 strikeouts. That's really good. His FIP is 3.29, and his XFIP is 3.65 currently, so that's a little bit higher than what his ERA shows, but in the past, when Gray has been good, he's outperformed those numbers. Like in 2019, when he had a 2.87 ERA for the season, he had a 3.42 FIP and a 3.65 XFIP, so it kind of goes in line with what he's doing this season. Sonny has a great schedule ahead of him as well, so let him rip in your playoffs, but I would let him rip any day of the week. I actually really like Sonny Gray. And then Christian Javier of the Astros. He went six innings pitched, no earned runs, two hits, no walks, and eight strikeouts against the Tigers, as expected against the Tigers once again, as we mentioned with Framber. But what an excellent outing from Javier, who, like Gray, has also been fantastic this season. He's really taken his starter role and ran with it this year, and it's great to see. He had a 34% CSW for the night and was spotting his fastball very well. It's not like you have to against the Tigers, but he did. So it's always a plus to see. I'll definitely be really high on Javier in next season's draft. So what about you, John? What do you think about Christian Javier?
1: As long as he has a starting role of the, at the beginning of the season, which he should because the Astros no longer have De Rizzi. um, yeah, he is going to be a, a a high pickup. I don't really see a reason to not go for him. He clearly has the stuff. the 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 Astros are clearly willing to let him go deep in the games. Um, I mean, I say deep. He went six innings, but you know, he's going to get quality starts. And yep. I think, um, the stuff is so good that, um, it can only get better.
2: I completely agree. And Sonny Gray, I'm sure you have something to say about him for your twins.
1: So, so the joke as a cynical Twins fan is that if you want to fix your team, basically play the Twins. Um, you know, Max Muncy <laughs> got off on his great start after he played the Twins. You know, other players just, you know, do really well after playing the Twins. The way to fix the Twins is to play the Royals. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, awesome, awesome night for Sonny Gray, right? Seven shutout innings, only one walk, three hits, eight strikeouts. I'm actually kind of impressed in those strikeout numbers. I didn't realize that he was almost at like a, a 9k per 9. So. Yep. Um, good on him. Uh I, I've you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where the the stats look really, really good, and it just feels like as a twins fan that the results haven't been there. But clearly they have. So um you know, good for Sonny Gray.
2: Yeah, he's nearly at a strikeout per inning. He's been really good when he's healthy. He hasn't pitched a lot of innings this season, but he's been really good. Yep. And hey, the twins dominated the Royals, man. Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray both went crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, if only we could get a better rotation next season. But we'll, yep. we'll see if that happens. Uh, going on to Thursday's games, we're going to start with Isaac Paredes of the Rays, two for three with two runs, a homer, two RBI, and a walk. Uh, The Rays face Kevin Gaussman and they got to him with five runs as the AL wildcard race continues to tighten. The Jays are first in the wildcard standings and the Rays are second. Um, And they're definitely going to, you know, make the playoffs, I think. But, you know, order in the wildcard still matters. Um, So definitely the Rays and the Jays are fighting for that. Paredes hit her no-doubter in the seventh, earning a 30 out of 30 on the Wooded Dong uh, metric, which is obviously nice. Uh, He's actually struggled to make much of an impact this year after coming over in a trade for Austin Meadows. The 18 homers and the 453 slugging percentage are nice, but he hasn't really seen the field enough to warrant picking him up. He goes on these hot streaks where he'll hit like two, three homers in like a two, three game span. And it's like, oh, Perez has figured it out. And then he just disappears for three, four weeks. So. Um, Pertis is one of those pickups where, like, oh, if he hits a home run, maybe you, maybe you snag him for a couple games, see if it actually does anything. And then if not, uh, you drop him because you're kind of okay with that. Uh, Gavin Sheets of the White Sox with one for four, two RBIs, and a home run. It was a homer party for the White Sox, actually. They hit five on the day against the Guardians. Sheets started the party with a blast, his 13th of the season in the second inning. He's had some interesting moments. Actually, last year was kind of one of those years where you thought, oh, maybe there's something with this kid. He had 11 homers and an 830 OPS in 54 games, but he's really failed to match that this season. Um, He's had double the plate appearances, but he's had basically around the same stats, 13 homers, uh, very similar in the run total. I think he only has 10 more RBI this season than he did last season. Um, he's still young though. Uh, it looks like he's going to be part of the White Sox plan for the future, but for now you can safely leave him on the wire. Maybe take a look at him at the end of your drafts next year.
2: Yeah. Both of these guys are just hot bats that if they're doing well in the week, then you pick them up and you ride them out for your playoffs because these guys haven't really done anything too impressive this season. Like Paredes, the 18 homers has been really good, but it just comes in a really hot and cold type streak for him. And then Gavin Sheets has shown Flashes of greatness, but not always consistently. So these guys are very sporadic, and if you're in a head-to-head league, if you're in a daily league, when they're in the lineup, plug them in when they're hot, and you should get some sort of benefit. Yep.
1: Moving on to pitchers, we start off with Pablo Lopez of the Marlins. 6.2 innings, 4 hits, 2 in runs, 1 walk, and 5 strikeouts against the Phillies. Uh, He had a really nice bounce-back game after a really bad start against the Mets. The four-seamer earned 8 whiffs with a 38% CSW on the night. But the secondary really failed to do much more. He also got lucky on a couple hard hit balls that ended up as flyouts. Still, sometimes luck is all you need to get back on track. So good for Pablo. And then Carlos Carrasco of the Mets six innings, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and 11 strikeouts against the Pirates. Cookie had the changeup cooking, uh, I mean, bacon. Uh, and that's frankly all he needed. He shut down the Pirates with 14 whiffs on the slow ball alone. He elevated the usage of the sinker, got seven called strikes on 21 pitches. He could get any whiffs on the slider, though, which is kind of interesting. It usually has a 15.3% swinging strike rate, which is actually above league average. Um, This Mets team is somehow relying on old pitchers. You've got Carrasco at 35, DeGrom at 34, Scherzer obviously on the IL, but he's going to be huge for you guys and the Mets at 37. Uh, And it's working out for the Mets, which is good to see. And then just a quick shout-out to Lance McCullers. He had six innings of pitching today. He was facing the A's, so a little bit of an easier matchup, but he did get 11 strikeouts against them. So good for McCullers. Um, He's been kind of, you know, working his way back from injury. It's nice to see him have a solid game.
2: That's great to see McCullers come back and pitch well, because it's just someone you kind of root for, because he's always faced those injuries and hasn't put together a full season, and he has a lot of talent. So it'd be great to see him put together a, a full season of greatness. And the Mets, yeah, we rely on a lot of older pitchers, huh? I Kind of forgot that we have such an old rotation, but Carlos Carrasco was dominant on Thursday. Did so well. I mean, once again, the Pirates, yeah. not the hardest of matchups, but it's great to see Carrasco looking good, especially as we're nearing the end of the season. If he's healthy, he's going to be really, really good as either a starter in the playoffs or a long reliever. He's just yeah. a really good pitcher when he's on point and if he can get out of the first inning, because he struggles with that first inning. <laughs>
1: Uh, His strikeout numbers this year are actually really impressive. His K rate, I think, is like top 20 in the majors. Um, And he's really, really good swinging strikeout as well. Um, It's not like going down. So he still has the stuff. It it really is. He is kind of truly going back to, you know, how good he was four or five years ago when he was on the Guardians.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I loved Carrasco, especially in fantasy when he was on the Guardians, when he was in that dominant era, when he was with Kluber and Bauer and all those other guys that were just a ridiculous rotation. And someone like Pablo Lopez as well, who's in a ridiculous rotation in the Marlins, he was someone that I traded for when he was on that good streak, and then he stunk. Like, immediately after I got him, he stunk. And I was like, man, I don't like this guy at all. Like, how is this guy even remotely an ace? I was so confused. And now he's starting to piece together some good ones. Like, he didn't do well against the Mets, of course. But he's Mm -hmm. starting to piece together some good starts. And I'm starting to see why he's pretty good. So, against the Phillies, he had a pretty good start, man
1: yeah i really just hope next year he's more consistent because i agree he has that potential to be a top 20 pitcher Mm -hmm. if he's on it's you know top 10 stuff for sure um but he's just so swingy um you know i don't want to make the comparison because it's not like exactly the same but Dylan C's had that issue before where yeah he would just have these random blow-ups and this year he's just so consistent so you know, really hope that Pablo is more consistent because this was actually a year where he didn't have to deal with injury. Where, you know, the big the big knock against Pablo for the longest time is that he always gets injured. But he was, I think, he was relatively healthy this year. So, um, just hope he really just kind of gets that consistency uh, next year.
2: Yeah, he was healthy for pretty much the entire season, and that's a good point that you made about Cease. You know, Cease had a little bit more of an issue with walking batters and getting into trouble that way. True. Pablo yep. just kind of gives up hits and whatnot. But yep. they are very similar in the fact that like. They just need to kind of calm it down and not have those blow up starts, you know? Yep. But now we'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the streamers for this weekend. Stay tuned. All right. We are back and it's time for the streamers for the weekend. We're going to recommend streamer pitchers as well as some streamer hitters that you can use because some of you might be in your fantasy championships or fantasy playoffs and you might need a hot bat to ride or a good pitching matchup. So, John, who are those guys that we have for the people?
1: Yeah, uh, this wasn't intentional. Eh, It kind of was intentional, I guess. I'm the one who puts this together. Uh, (laughs) Three straight Cub pitchers for this weekend. Uh, Saturday, you've got Wade Miley. Sunday, you've got Javier Assad. And Monday, you've got Adrian Sampson. Real household names here, guys. Uh, (laughs) Wade Miley, uh, 15% rostered on Yahoo, 6% rostered on ESPN. He goes against the Rockies. I just kind of like to think about the time when Wade Miley threw a no-hitter last year. Uh, Good times. Uh, This season has not gone very well, actually. He's dealt with injuries the entire season. He's only started six games, which is crazy. Um, Last Sunday, he managed five innings with five strikeouts against the Giants. He's probably fully stretched out. They let him go like 75 pitches. So he should be able to take advantage of the Rockies on the road. His teammate Javier Assad's 1% rostered on Yahoo and ESPN. He goes up against the same Rockies. Um, This rookie, he's actually had three decent outings this season. His most recent start was when he went six innings against the Mets, actually. He picked up six strikeouts in that start. If you need a starter on Sunday, I truly believe Assad's going to be overlooked. I like him as a sneaky pickup. Um, I've been telling friends who are in playoffs um, to pick up this guy for a Sunday stream, um, because I do think that this is actually going to work out pretty well. Um, Watch him get shelled though. Uh, (laughs) And then is 4% rostered on Yahoo, 2% roster on ESPN. He doesn't go against the Rockies. He gets the Marlins instead. Uh, Honestly, the Cubs have a really cushy schedule. They got the Rockies away. They got the Marlins and then the Pirates. Um, It's too bad that they're not in a playoff race because this would be the perfect time to uh, rack up some wins. Samson has had two straight quality starts, but that's about the only good thing I can say about him. He doesn't have great strikeout potential, but if you're just looking for some okay innings, Samson is your guy. And then for hitters... We've got Rodolfo Castro of the Pirates. 3% roster on Yahoo, 1% on ESPN. If you're looking for some corner or middle infield help to jolt your playoff team, look no further than Castro. I believe he has at least second and third base eligibility both on Yahoo and ESPN. So definitely kind of one of those very versatile pickups. Since August 1st, he's hit eight homers with 16 RBIs. He's slashing 263, 320, 538. That's an 854 OPS in the last month and a half of work. So pretty solid. If you have an open spot, I definitely think he can provide good spot starts. Obviously, it's the Pirates, so it's not like they have a ton of offense. There's not going to be a lot of opportunities, maybe for runs or RBIs. Uh, But I do think Castro is one of those guys to keep an eye on. He's probably more of a 2023 prospect, really. But if you're just looking for some help, think about Castro. And then Oscar Gonzalez with the Guardians, 18% rostered on Yahoo, 9% rostered on ESPN. He's been on a tear as well. In September, four homers, 12 RBIs. Uh, I was actually at the game between the Guardians and the Twins last Saturday, and every time Gonzalez came up to bat, I was just a little worried because this guy has real power potential. He's playing at an MVP level. He's slashing 286, 421, 667. That's a 1.088 OPS, folks. That's MVP level level production in the month of September yes it's only two weeks but hey it's not like you're looking for a guy for the rest of the season the rest of the season's literally only two more weeks so you know ride the hot hand if you can
2: yeah so just starting with the bats Rodolfo Castro we were just discussing him before we started the podcast when we were writing all of our notes I said man Rodolfo Castro is all over the batter's box article on pitcher list yeah. because Literally two or three days, he just had great days and he was written about. So once again, check out those articles every single day on List because then you'll see someone like Rodolfo Castro and be like, oh, I'll pick that guy up. So Rodolfo Castro has been ridiculously good. The Pirates have been pretty good as of late. O'Neill Cruz has really picked things up and Rodolfo Castro has been definitely hot. And then Oscar Gonzalez as well. Like you said, he's playing at an MVP level, a 1.088 OPS. Are you kidding me? That's just insane. So yeah, Oscar Gonzalez is probably the go-to hot bat if you need mm-hmm. someone for the playoffs. So definitely recommend. Good shout on that, John. And then for the streamers for the weekend, wow. Three Cubs pitchers. I mean, the Cubs are playing well. They just beat the Mets. I don't want to really talk more about that. But <laughs> Miley, Assad, and Samson. I like Assad the most out of all of them. I like yeah. probably Samson the next and then Miley the last. But Assad can be good. I really don't like him right now because he pitched well against the Mets. But He has some good potential, man. I think he could go six innings, rack up some strikeouts. I like that recommendation. Wade Miley against the Rockies on the road. Why not? Any matchup against the Rockies on the road is a good one. Adrian Sampson against the Marlins. Once again, another good matchup. So it all makes sense on why you chose all of the Cubs rotation for the streamers.
1: Yeah. There were some other names that you could potentially look at. Um, I just think when it comes to matchups and getting a good stream, it just made sense for these three guys. Um, Monday is a small slate so don't feel like you have to start Samson if you're trying to keep up in starts with your opponent um, likely they're not going to have anyone starting on Monday either so um, you know like we always say don't stream unless you really have to
2: especially in the playoffs have a plan going forward i think that's the biggest piece of information we can give you mm-hmm. if you know ahead of time like look at your matchup if you know you're going to be in the finals right look at who you're going to be playing and it's hard to really dictate that on a friday and be like oh, okay i'm definitely making the playoffs so is this guy but look mm-hmm. at who you could potentially be playing and see how many starts you have in the week and how many they have and say oh if you have an amount of pickups per week Dedicate that many to streamers. Map out the people that you want to pick up, like, oh, I'm going to grab Asad now and Samson for later. Make those moves. Just plan it correctly and have a plan going forward because you don't have to stream. And also, you could just nonstop stream. There's definite different approaches to it. So make sure you're on top of what you're doing and you know your strategy.
1: Yeah, honestly, one of my favorite things is if you're down in ratios, just stream the heck out of your team if you've got counting stats. Um, as part of your categories because you'll rack up the counting stats. You're already down in ratios um, and you still might be able to kind of uh, squeak out a win there. Another important thing when it comes to this part of the season is that say you're in the championship, you've got one week left, you can start dropping pitchers that no longer have any more starts for the rest of the season. Um, It might feel weird to put, you know, Shane McClanahan on your waiver, but if he doesn't start anymore uh he's not worth it so uh just be you know cognizant of your roster makeup you know who still has starts to go um and use that to your advantage because not everyone is going to be thinking about that
2: and remember this is pretty much advice for head-to-head leagues and for redraft (laughs) leagues because obviously you're not going to drop Shane McClanahan a keeper or anything like that or dynasty so we're mainly talking about head-to-head and redraft leagues for this advice Because in a Roto League, you know, there's obviously different moves to make, and you could just grab these streamers, no problem. But when we say, look at the person's matchup, we're talking about in a head-to-head league. So if you know your matchup, if you know who you're going to be playing, if you can assume who you're going to be playing, do the research, put in the work, because that, I don't know, 30 minutes of effort could win you a championship. So just map it out and know your strategy going forward, and you can easily pull out a win. So make sure you do that. But that'll wrap it up for this week's podcast before we go make sure that you follow us on twitter at this pl, and you could send us your comments and questions to pod at gmail.com you can find john on twitter at the john ca that's t-h-e-j-o-h-n-k-e and you can find myself on twitter at regicidal that's r-e-g-i-c-i-d-a-l make sure you follow both of us we'd greatly appreciate it also Please subscribe to the Picture List podcast feed and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We are on all of them. So make sure you follow us. And please, if it's available, leave us a five star review. If you keep coming back, if you're downloading the episodes, if you're hearing us somehow and you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying the advice, if it's helping you win, please leave a five star review. We would greatly appreciate it. And lastly, Sign up for PitcherList Plus. By doing so, you can join us in the PitcherList Discord and get advice from all of the fantasy experts and writers over there. But that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week recapping another week in fantasy baseball. For John, I am Lee. We'll see you all in the next one. Later, everyone.